Thanks for tuning in to MANA, a short daily meditation to feed hungry souls with God's Word. These episodes were prepared by ordained ministers for a radio broadcast called Voice of the Church and are now republished by the Reformed Perspective Foundation, a Canadian charity that applies biblical truth to the issues of our time. Here's today's serving. Good day, listeners, and welcome to Voice of the Church radio broadcast. We're glad you could tune in with us again this week. If it's your first time, we welcome you for the first time to hear as we take time to teach on the Word of God and hold forth the Gospel of Christ. Whether you may be a Christian or a non-Christian looking and interested in what we teach, we're glad you could join us. Our focus this month in the month of January is on the second coming of Jesus Christ. It is our confession as a church that Jesus came in the flesh, the Son of God, came to live to die for sinners, to conquer death in his resurrection, and then went to heaven to sit at the right hand of God the Father, and one day he will return to judge the living and the dead. Our focus in our series in January is on that great return of Christ and what it means to be ready for his coming. Today we continue in our study with Matthew 25, and we look at the first of three sections of teaching Jesus gives us there, a section sometimes known as the parable of the wise and foolish virgins. In the time of Jesus, the word virgin was a word that could represent the idea of a young woman, a bridesmaid. And in this story, he is taking a typical concept that they would have seen every day, a wedding celebration. A time when people gather with a bride and groom out of great joy at the love they have for each other, and they celebrate their union in Christ. In this particular celebration, the bride and groom, or at least the groom for sure, is still coming to the reception hall. He is not yet at the place of celebration. The wedding has taken place, though. The bridesmaids are sent out as an escort to bring him into the celebration hall, to bring him in with feasting and dancing and all the joys that would surround a marriage. As they wait for him, though, the Bible says a very specific thing that describes why some of these women are foolish and why some of these women are wise. It says this in Matthew 25, verse 3, Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. It goes on to say this in verse 5, But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming, go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you. But go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. In this parable, Jesus likens his second coming to the idea of a wedding, to the idea of waiting for the bridegroom. And Jesus is often pictured in the Bible as a bridegroom, his church pictured as the bride, and we are waiting for his coming. But Jesus teaches something very specific about this time of waiting as well. He speaks of it as a time in which we must have our lamps burning. Now, what these lamps mean and what these lamps represent is is difficult to say. A key element of the lamps is that they burn oil to keep the fire going. It's not like things today where we could turn on a flashlight or use the flashlight on our cell phone. These were lamps, oil-fed lamps, which would have a wick, and the fire would be fed as the oil slowly burned up in waiting. The key thing about the waiting of Christ here and what it means for the church is that Jesus pictures a scene where what the bridesmaids need to be ready for Christ naturally diminishes as they wait. Jesus pictures a scene 
where whatever that oil represents, and there's been various interpretations, the best is probably that of the Holy Spirit, the idea that the oil represents, as it often did in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit of God. But many others have pointed to things like faith, good works, righteousness, the idea of an overall Christian life that is lived for God, out of faith, for his glory. The key of what Jesus is teaching us is that oil, so necessary for welcoming the bridegroom and so necessary for joining with him in heaven, that oil naturally burns out as time passes. I don't know if you've ever heard of someone speaking of a mountaintop Christian experience. When they say those kinds of things, what are they referring to? They may be referring to a wonderful conference they attended, perhaps a mission trip, a time when they felt particularly close to God, strengthened in the faith, and just filled with the Holy Spirit and joy in the things of the Lord, a mountaintop experience. But maybe you've also heard of people speaking of being in the valley. It's a picture taken from Psalm 23 when David wrote of being in the very valley of the shadow of death and yet not being afraid for even there God was with him. When we speak of the valley of the Christian life, we may speak of a time when faith grows weak, when due to circumstance or, or loss or personal sin, our faith is threatened and we don't feel as strong in the Christian life as we once did. One of the beautiful things of this parable is that by the use of this story, Jesus is telling us that he understands and recognizes the ebb and flow of faith in the Christian life. The idea that as we press on the things of the Lord, we will grow weak. You know, there's a reason Paul said to the Galatians that we should be diligent in doing what is good and not grow weary in doing what is good. It's because the natural state of the human heart is to grow weary with things. I don't know if you've ever had something you enjoyed a great deal. Maybe it was playing the piano. Maybe it was playing a sport. And you loved it. And you wanted to get good at it. So you decided you'd give yourself a discipline. You'd practice every single day. I want to ask you a question. How long did your love for piano or your love for your sport last? Did you have times when you simply didn't want to play anymore? Where it was no longer the joy it once was. It was a burden. You see, the Bible calls us to persevere and the Bible calls us not to grow weary in doing good because it knows the natural state of the human heart is to grow weary even with good things. God knows that we will have seasons in life where our faith will struggle. God knows we'll have seasons in life where our love and joy in the things of Christ may not be what they once were. The call, the parable, is to realize that in order to be ready for Christ, we have to be wise enough to recognize this. Wise enough to know that God knows our weakness, and He is able to provide us with the oil we need so that when our lamps burn low, we will not run dry. We will not be left outside on the great wedding feasts of the Lamb. And this parable teaches us to recognize that in ourselves. To not be ashamed of the fact that sometimes we have weak faith, but to make sure that we're going to the right one for the oil that our fire may not burn out. Well, what do we do then? How do we get that oil in our lamps to make sure our fire does not burn out? How do we keep zealous in the things of the Lord? Well, that is indeed the question of this passage. There is a remarkable saying in this passage that we need to consider. When the foolish women realize their oil is burning low, they turn to the wise and they ask to borrow some of the oil from the wise. 
The wise aren't able to take their oil and share it. Do you know, you can't catch faith merely from another Christian. You can't be strengthened in faith in the Holy Spirit merely by another Christian as wise or as strong as they may be. There's only one person who's able to give faith. There's only one person who's able to strengthen it. There's only one person who's able to sustain you. The wise bridesmaids tell the foolish to go and and buy oil from those who sell. And so the foolish leave to do so. We don't find out if they found those who sell. We don't find out if they got the store of oil in the middle of the night that they needed. But I think there is something tragic in this story. And the tragic part is that when those foolish women needed oil, they walked away from the bridegroom. In the parable, it's very significant because the cry has been given in verse 6. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Go out to meet him. Christ is on the way. Go meet your Savior. But the foolish, they look at their lamps and they see that they're burning low and they, they run away, don't they? They run to try to find oil from someone else that would set their lamps on fire again. But what would have happened if they had just obeyed? What would have happened if they had just heard the call to go out to meet the Savior and run to the Savior? Doesn't the Bible say that of those who come to me, he will cast out none? Doesn't Jesus say to the Father, of those you have given me, I have lost none? And isn't the only place to get oil, to keep our lives in Christ burning, to come to the feet of the Savior? Isn't he the one who poured out on us another helper, the Holy Spirit, who will lead us into all truth and teach us all that he has given us? There is a calling upon us in this parable. It it reveals the weakness of the human heart. It reveals the need we have for a supply that will not be exhausted, and that should drive us to the Savior, Jesus Christ, who is the one who gives the oil that shall never run dry. I mentioned to you, I think the best interpretation of this oil is the Holy Spirit, and I do think it is the best. It is just a parable, so every matchup does not work perfectly. I don't know how we use up the Holy Spirit, for example, in life. But I do know Jesus is the one who gives it without measure. I do know he is the one who pours out his spirit upon the church. I do know we live in living communion with Christ as his people. And if that living communion were to be cut off, we would be utterly lost. Isn't that what David cries out when he recognizes his sin in Psalm 51? Take not your holy spirit from me. You know, if you're listening to this broadcast today, you need to recognize... That apart from the grace and supply of God, you will not be ready for Jesus when he comes again. In our first broadcast, we mentioned how there will be trials and persecutions, how a brother may betray a brother. Who can endure these things? Who can remain faithful to Christ when their favorite pastors may confess adulteries and walk away from the faith? Who can remain faithful to Christ when everyone else in the culture and everyone on the radio and everyone in the TVs tell you that the Christian gospel is foolishness? Who can be faithful to Christ when it might mean losing your job or losing your life? You know, the truth is, there's only one way you can be ready for Christ, and that's if God sustains you. If God holds you up. There's only one place to buy more oil. The beauty of it is that it costs nothing for you because it costs everything for Christ. He is the one who gives you all you need. He laid down his life so that you could never run dry. He is the fount that is always overflowing. 
when you hear the cry of the angel, to behold the bridegroom go out to meet him. Beloved, you must obey. Until that cry comes, the command and call we have is the same. We are to be those who delight to meet Jesus. And that's one of the ways we can make sure the oil stays in our lamps, isn't it? I know you can't catch your faith from your friends, but one of the ways we can meet our Savior is to gather with other Christians. The Bible calls us to exhort each other, to encourage each other, to build each other up. Do you meet with others who believe in Jesus Christ to be encouraged in your faith, to be pointed back to that one source of oil and life that will sustain you? If you're listening on the radio right now, it's a great way to strengthen your faith, and I encourage many I know to listen to sermons during the week to encourage their faith. But there's something very important that you can't do on the radio. It's attending a local church. It's sitting under a local pastor who loves the Lord, holds God's word as infallible truth, and preaches the gospel of a crucified and risen Savior. Do you know that's how you get pointed back to Jesus every week? How you build up your store of oil? How you can be ready for the coming of the Savior? And so as we consider this calling, the calling we have before us in Matthew 25 is a call to be wise. Wise enough to realize our own weakness. Wise enough to realize that our faith may grow weak and wise enough to know there's one place where the oil we need is given freely and that is Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and now sits at the right hand of God. He will come again. We don't know when it will be, but he will come again. May the Lord help us to be ready be ready because he has given us oil sufficient for this day and every day yet to come. Lord's blessings to you in the rest of your week.